guys. Welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? I have a mouse. And I've been trying to get rid of this mouse all week. And when as... you say mouse, you don't mean like computer device. You mean... I mean... Ratatouille-ass actual mouse. Actual factual rodent. And any time that there's a mouse in your house, you have to figure out, are you a Nathan Lane or are <laughs> you the other guy? The other guy from the Mouse Hunt movie? Yeah. Who is the other guy in Mouse Hunt? I, why do I want to say he was uh, Sean William Scott, the guy that played Stifler in American Pie? Because he wasn't, but like, wasn't he though? I think it's Lee Evans. Probably Who, Lee Evans. I believe was in. Um, I I have no fucking clue what Lee Evans has been in anything else. Mouse Mousetrap with with Mousetrap. Nathan Lane. That's it. All all I remember from Mousetrap is Nathan Lane, like the uh, the mouse fucking with him, and the guy going, "Do you think he did that on purpose?" And Nathan Lane being like, "Do you think he's sitting around swilling a glass of brandy, going, I left the pit,' and then it's like, I mean." Yeah, probably. That mouse seems kind of like a son of a bitch. And then also, I remember a subplot involving a hot tub. Yeah, yeah. That's so um, today I was cleaning up because, you know, the more I clean my house, the less this mouse has places to hide. Uh-huh. Um, also, let's be honest. It's not a mouse problem. It's mice. It's fucking yeah, mice. They, <laughs> they invite their friends is the thing. Yeah. So, so like, you know, and, and I was definitely feeling very guilty. And then I was like, wait a minute. I literally live in the woods. And last night, a possum was in my yard. So it's going to be fine. It could be a lot worse. <laughs> I mean, almost certainly. Yeah. So have you have you yet killed any any mice or is it so just sort of... I was cleaning the kitchen and mm-hmm. I picked up a tote bag, and inside was the mouse. And oh, wow. he had, because this is the life I'm living, I have a tote bag in my kitchen with the suckling Blu-ray, the vinegar syndrome trauma released the suckling, and the mouse shit on it. Uh-huh. So what and... I did was I tightened up the bag and I took him outside, and I yeeted him across the road. <laughs> so you just fucking handballed this mouse? Like, so the mouse was well, let's, alive let's when you Let's be honest. Him. I'm not that manly. I took the sack and slung it like David slinging a boulder <laughs> to kill Goliath. And the mouse just yeah. sailed in a perfect arc over the street into the woods. And the mouse was alive. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So I'm, life has to be so fucking confusing if you're a mouse. You're, you know, you find a place to sleep. It's warm. There's food. Suddenly a screaming meat giant comes out of nowhere and goes, and fucking just hurls you into the woods. Um, that's got to be so fucking confusing for you. Yeah. So uh, how's your week been? Um remarkably less full of mice unfortunately uh my week my week has been pretty good i i uh, have been uh so i fell down we fell down a hole as a household uh have you okay so did you ever did you watch a uh, mind hunter on netflix i haven't yet holy shit so mind hunter um we 
uh, I'll rewatch the first season because um, Christine and I had seen it, but uh, Sarah had never seen the first season of Mindhunter, and they're working on a thing right now that I'm like, oh, fuck, you really need to see Mindhunter, which is, uh, as you know, a show about the first, uh, the, the, the development of the first uh, research methodology for serial killers and profiling and classification, and it's uh, it features uh, uh, that guy that played the King of England in Hamilton. Oh, yeah, uh, that guy. Yeah, Jonathan Groff. Uh, he's lovely. He he's sort of um, he's got like a Dale Cooper vibe. He plays a guy called Holden Ford, who is an F, uh, an FBI agent who is. Why did I want to say FBI agent like Keanu Reeves in Point Break? Uh, and he and this big burly fella named Tench, uh, and they are figuring out. Uh, they're they're interviewing serial killers and sort of asking them about why they do what they do. And this is like before serial killers were a thing. So it's the late seventies. And so much of this show, like, I, I, I had to eat my words about David Fincher after watching Mindhunter the first time, because, like, I used to have a knee-jerk dislike of Fincher because of dudes I knew who were fucking obsessed with David Fincher. Um, and it's not even David Fincher's fault. Like, I, I think it's that I just, I knew way too many dudes that loved Seven and Fight Club for the worst possible reasons. Yeah, and that's definitely a thing. Yeah, but the thing is that David Fincher also, he did Alien 3, which I love, and he did Zodiac, which is perfect, um, and honestly, like, the, he has so much, because I, I feel like he gets a rap for being uh, kind of a nihilist, and, and which is probably fair, and, you know, sort of having a bleak outlook, but I feel like on Mindhunter, he has so much fucking compassion for these characters. Like... The, the I mean, not so much the serial killers, although there is, you know, you are sort of encouraged to like, all right, so why do they do what they do? But you're not really asked to like, yeah, but in a way, isn't, you know, Edmund Kemper kind of a good dude? It's like, no, he's a he's a fucking monster and he kills people. But he, uh, called, so... himself, he called himself a bumblebutt. <laughs> I mean, th here's, here's the thing, though. At some point on our Patreon, I would love to do... Uh, for our Patreon, I would love to do a series called uh, Scrubs of True Crime History, <laughs> where we talk about uh, serial killers who were the dumbest boys in second grade and who got caught because they were they did something incredibly stupid. Because like when you think of serial killers, you think of them as being like ruthlessly efficient and brilliant and uh, methodical, and that is just not true. Uh, so... A lot of serial killers avoid getting caught just by sheer fucking luck. So, have you um, ever read The Monster of Florence? No. So, this book is a true crime book that I'm reading right now that's fucking wild. Mm -hmm. This American crime writer is like, I like Italy, so I bought a house in Florence because I can write anywhere. And while I was in Florence, I was decided this is the perfect time to write my Italian murder mystery novel. And David Preston's friend is like, oh, hey, you should talk to my bud who used to work for the you know biggest newspaper in Italy and was on the crime desk. You guys should okay. go have coffee together. So they're having coffee together. And this guy, Spezzi, says, um, well, of course, you're, you, sh you know about the monster of Venice. And um, Preston is like, I've never heard of the monster of Venice. And he's like, it's Italy's, he's Italy's most famous serial killer of all time. I wrote a book about him. There's a giallo based off of him. 
Holy and Douglas shit. Preston's like, I've never heard of this. And he's like, it's still an open case. And Preston is like, we're going to solve it. So Douglas Preston in this Italian uh, crime reporter in his like 60s or 70s go around Florence trying to solve a cold case that's like open since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it gets so buck wild that... The Spezzi, the Italian crime writer, is accused as being the serial killer because he's written about it for so long. And they're like, you must have been able to evade it for so long. Because he (laughs) was also one of the first people on the original crime scene. So so they're like, yeah, this guy's definitely the killer. But then they're like, no, it's this other guy. And then the Italian police are like... Preston, you're you're an American. Um, we're going to deport you if you stay here and keep poking around. Just go away and never come back. So Preston's like in the introduction of this book is like, Italy was my first love, and I'll never be able to go again because of this crazy summer I spent with an Italian <laughs> newspaper my reporter. Crazy, my who crazy guzzles uh, espresso and chain smokes Galois. <laughs> holy shit it's so it is it is so much in the jolly vein like it is better than any argento movie you can possibly watch because it's real yeah i well and how many giallo films features the plot of an american hanging out in italy stumbles upon some goof shit from a guy wearing black gloves and unravels a yarn ball of murder and it literally happens in real life. Yeah. So what you're saying is what you're saying is that Jalo is actually very much based on just Italy in the 1970s. Pretty much, Italy in the 70s and 80s is just well. A big part of the book is in Italian culture uh, in the 70s and 80s. You mm-hmm. lived with your parents until you got married. So right. fucking in cars is the only way people in their 20s have sex. So right. this serial killer, the monster of of um, Florence, uh-huh. kills lovers in their cars. So and it's really easy to do because that's just a normal thing is to see lovers lane cars because no, otherwise no one else in their twenties is getting laid because they all live with their parents. Florence and the Killing Machine. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, that's uh, well, and 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 the you need a place to make out is also very central to Jalo as a, a a genre, because again, like when you wonder sort of like why is it so fucking greasy and full of naked people dying and fucking, and it's like, well, I mean, it, the, the, these were movies for horny Italian teens at drive-ins in the seventies, and they had to keep their attention. Yeah, for sure, and and really a lot of directors relied on the we've got to do something insane to get people to stop necking and watch our movie right every five minutes somebody's eye should be getting poked out or a pair of titties or you know actually just a flock of titties if you could like open a cupboard and they just come spilling out (laughs) um as is the house style in italy in the 1970s Um, yeah we gotta dig up this um movie based off of this this crime case um i did find the name escapes me currently but i did find there's a really small uh video studio that just takes extremely obscure movies and puts them out on dvd they're probably it's probably video steve it's probably just a guy in his basement 
mm-hmm. ripping off VHS cassettes and burning them to DVRs. Right. But I'm still willing to buy this movie and watch it. You know what, though? God bless. Like, I feel like uh, Video Steve is such an important and valid uh, occupation to be. And I think that this is the thing that I've I've realized that I want to be for, like, my nieces is if they, you know, like, because they, my, my, my oldest niece is, is starting to get into horror, and I would love to just be that uncle who, or is there a non-binary version of uncle, aunt, aunt unc, uncle? Um, anyway. Benefactor? <laughs> benefactor. It's, it's so Dickensian. Uh, and yeah, kind of just, you know, although the problem is also going, okay, so you're, you know, sort of in your mid-teens. What horror movies is it okay for a middle teenager to be watching? And then I think back to the stuff that I watched when I was like 15, 16, um, and probably had no business watching. So I refuse to show my six-year-old son Star Wars because it's too (laughs) violent. And meanwhile, at six years old, I was like so deep into Star Wars, it was not even cool. Oh, absolutely. That, my uh, my first R-rated movie was Terminator Two, and I would watch like I, I would watch that over and over again as a very small child. And what a and, good one to watch, though. Oh yeah, no, I feel like that movie is so responsible for my aesthetics and and a lot of the stuff that I'm into. Like, I think the the one shot from Terminator Two that I recall most vividly as like burning itself into my dendrites as a small child was the scene where the T-1000 is impersonating John Connor's stepmom. Um, the same lady who played Vasquez in Aliens, and uh, she impales the the shitty foster dad's head with the, the, the steel hand, and then the camera just sort of zooms down to a carton of milk mingling with blood, and just blood and milk swirling around. Like, as a kid, that was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, I think the first R-rated movie I ever saw, or one of the first, was um, Desperado. Oh, shit, that's a good one. Yeah, I tricked my aunt, God bless her soul. She was babysitting <laughs> me, and I was like, I don't want to watch this other stuff. I really want to watch this movie. And she was like, <laughs> okay, don't tell your parents. And then we turned it on, and that first scene where Antonio Banderas is killing all of those people with that grenade launcher <laughs> in that bar uh-huh. with all of the deer antlers. And she's yep. like, oh, fuck, definitely do not tell your parents we rented this. And it I was love that, it. like, I'll spirit it back to the blockbuster and they'll never have any physical evidence. <laughs> I love that this was, like, mutually assured destruction that, you know, she was like, all right, I'll let you finish it. Do not tell them I let you watch this. Because, like, she's like, if, if they find out that I let you watch this much... It's gonna be it's gonna be my neck too. So let's just uh, have a have an agreement. This never happened, <laughs> and uh, we'll return it to the video shack, and uh, no one's the wiser. Oh man, um, did you ever break a tape from Blockbuster or any other rental shack? Oh man, I don't. Th- I if I did, I don't remember. So one time, my VCR ate a tape, and out of frustration, oh, no. instead of like delicately trying to pull it out. I yanked the cassette and like stretched the tape. Mm-hmm. So I just took scissors and cut it and Scott shaped it back together and wheel and reeled it back in and returned it without saying anything. Oh man, does that haunt you? Yeah, because someone somewhere someone is missing like a good 15 minutes of that Bill Murray spy movie. <laughs> and they'll never know what happened. Wait, the man who knew too little? Yeah, the man who knew too little. Outstanding. A, there was a copy at the Hollywood video in Jackson <laughs> where there was a good scene, like scene missing, just 
gone. Yeah, because footage, I cut footage it out. not found. You know what, though? I feel like you did them a favor, because that movie was, was not good. It was not, except for that scene where he hits all the traffic cones and pops them up in the air. And oh, the I mean, guy in the movie literally says, I've always wanted to do that. And I also, because I saw that movie, have always wanted to do that and never done it. Yeah, it's the stuff you watch uh, as a kid that uh, sort of plants itself in your brain. And then later, later on, you're like, why do I want to drive through a plate of glass and crash into a cart full of chickens and watermelons? Yeah, every time I see an apple cart, I just want to drive through it. <laughs> yeah, or a fire hydrant. Like, I just, yeah, <laughs> I want to I wanna bust it. Um, so let's so talk about should... Patreon for a minute. Yeah, uh, we so uh, shout out to uh, Andrew Fazzini, a recovering hipster on Twitter and Tumblr, who uh, contributed to the Patreon. Thank you. Um, we uh, are so enormously grateful for, for the support that you guys have shown. Yeah, so for just a simple $2 a month, you can get show notes, and we go all out on the show notes. There are really silly visual jokes that no one would get <laughs> except for Ryan and me, but yeah. now you can see them too. Uh, a big game that we've played is see who can crack the other person up through the notes so you can be part of the fun for just two dollars a month for five dollars a month we are going to post some bonus content um have we posted one of the bonus episodes yet uh we have uh we currently uh have uh, the legend of billy jean which is up and then we uh what was um is that is the the other episode we recorded up yet or are we still figuring out how to how to put that up on patreon i think you can just post it directly so so we will figure that out and we have other things planned and for a whopping 25 dollars a month you will get a quarterly care package including um hand painted art from emily as well as brand new movies and um some halloween goodies in in august <laughs> because the, the, the i refuse paintings to get rid of them y'all the paintings from emily are so good like she's so ridiculously talented it's i uh, truly like for 25 dollars, i've spent probably more on that on like going to see a shitty movie on a given day uh it's yeah yeah 20 25 on patreon gets you um yeah just a giant box of weird horror shit and there's nothing wrong with that. So you have until September before I will ship the so we'll ship the first batch because it's quarterly, and then um, if you you know start seeing photos of our subscribers that have already posted what they got, and you're like, darn, I missed out. Uh, the neck the second quarter box, or I guess which will be the last one of 2019, will be the Halloween box, which will come out between. October and November, depending on if I decide to go before October because I'm so excited, or if we send them after October so we can get Halloween clearance in the box. So we'll just have to play that by ear. Um, and yeah. also, we recognize $25 a month is an ungodly high amount. That's so, so much money. Um, you are totally fine to pay for one month and then drop back down or cancel uh, yeah. anytime you want to. <laughs> yeah, listen, Matt, in, the, you know, in this economy, come on. Um, but yeah, so um, so let's jump into our first movie. Uh, this was prov- uh, Blu-ray prov- provided by Mondo Macabro. Mondo Macabro are horny on Maine, and I love it. Oh man, yeah, Mondo Macabro. Everything is... they put out is kind of porn. It's not porn, but it's not not porn. Mondo Macabro is like Vinegar Syndrome's slutty cousin. Uh, they're they're <laughs> and the ones Vinegar sort of putting... Syndrome releases pornography. 
Yeah, the literal actual pornography, and somehow Mondo Macabro is hornier. Uh, the movie that we're doing uh, for today for Mondo Macabro, which was the Blu-ray we got from him, is The Devil's Nightmare. Oh, uh, boy. The Holy Devil's Nightmare. Shit. Holy shit, this movie. So you, you had it in HD, I believe, yes? Yeah, and this transfer is upsetting. Because Upset- this is not a movie... How where the most gorgeous actors of Hollywood are cast. This is a European horror movie. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy whose eyes are just unnaturally bloodshot, and you see every bursted blood vessel. And there's a guy with a piler cyst on the back of his head, and nice. it shows up in upsetting HD. Also, the nipples... Of the actors in this movie. First of all, this movie was made in the 70s, so their shirts are so tight, you can see the outline of their navel in their sweater. The the transfer is so good. And then when they take their shirts off, you can see, like, the pimple on their lower back and stuff. It is... Un- it, it's so good, I, I'm upset by it. The sexual revolution, baby. It's just nothing but <laughs> nothing but cysts and nipples. That's so what, if you that's... so I, I realize that doesn't sound appetizing per se, but <laughs> I mean, you know, speak for yourself. But the, the the transfer is like crystal clear, and also the score in the like audio remaster is so good that if you remotely like Euro horror, like if the term Euro horror like clicks for you, buy this Blu-ray. You have to. <laughs> Yeah, this is I I didn't I didn't watch the HD transfer of it. Uh, I witnessed it in glorious daily motion. Yeah, uh, which you can also this movie's old so you can find it online if you want to. Oh, yeah, it's older it's older than shit. If you just Google watch The Devil's Nightmare online, you can find it for free and I promise you there's not like some old Italian baron who's going to come hunting you down going like, hey, excuse me, you have to pay for that. But um, you will not see the grease on the lips of the bus driver while he deep throats a chicken. <laughs> the motherfucker eats a whole rotisserie chicken in like two bites like Heathcliff the cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he fucking goes ham sandwich on that. Like he just, it's... He goes uh, ham sandwich on a ham sandwich. He goes ham sandwich on a ham sandwich. I My version of seeing it was uh, so very, very grainy and very... Now here's my question for that. Uh, if uh, w- which of us had the better viewing experience for the kind of thing that the devil's nightmare is? Me with my vaseline watching it underwater on daily motion experience, or you in crisp, uh, crystal clear HD? Also, I watched it on a friend of the show Kyle's home theater. So we had his soundbar and subwoofer and his projector where it was projected on the entire wall. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, and wow. Kyle also owns uh, antique movie seating, so he has literal theater seats in his, his basement. God, he has achieved video Steve Golconda, I <laughs> yeah. feel like. He has ascended to a, a, a state of being video Steve. I watched this on a tablet on Daily Motion <laughs> at desk while working on stuff. So, so here's we... my question. Which is more apropos for the content? Like... Yeah, in, yeah. You know, blown up in front of everyone in all of its glory, or on a tablet under a quilt <laughs> where you <laughs> sheepishly look around you waiting to see if anyone's going to see what you're watching. Well, now it's funny you bring that up, the the people being around. So a, a, a healthy section of this movie, uh, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but I've got to say this before I forget. 
Um, I was watching this at my desk while I was working, and uh, Sarah walked behind me at the exact moment that an extended lesbian uh, sex scene was taking place. And when I say lesbian sex scene, I don't mean actual lesbian sex scene. I mean some schizoid Italian director's imagination of what a lesbian sex scene looks like. This is actually one of the only uh, bur- this is one of the only Belgian Euro horror movies. Oh, so... this is Belgian. <laughs> yeah, the Belgians. All right, the Belgians. Well, well, I tell you what, those Belgians big into sucking boob because th- <laughs> this lady was just like gumming this other lady's tit like an ear of corn. It's and... very clear that the director said, now do the sex. And both of the actors were like, what? And he said, what? you know, the lady sex, do it. <laughs> and they're like, we don't know what you want of us. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're not, I mean, we're not going to fuck on camera. I don't know what you want us to do. And it's just like, just just figure it out. I'm Belgian. Just figure it out. And, and they, they, they sort of do. And Sarah was just walking behind me and then just sort of announces... Hey, what the <laughs> fuck are you watching? <laughs> and I had to explain, like, no, no. He, all right, so here's the thing: most of this movie is very dry and very sort of hammer horror, like atmosphere gothic, <laughs> sort of. You know, old British people sitting around being grave, and then like fifteen percent of it straight up Skinamax. Yeah, it's wild, and I love that anytime it's anywhere close to actual sex, it's just a uh, star wipe, and they're like, "We can't show it." Yeah, they're we like, "Don't know what it is." Yeah, yeah, the star wipe. It's like in uh, the Victorian uh, period, where uh, if there's a Victorian novel or a serial or something, if there was a bit where there was obviously a sex scene, it's like three asterisks, and then it goes to the next section, and you know that in those three asterisks was contained all the fucking in the world, all the hot Victorian ankle touch and uh you, you could you could fit in there um the movie starts off and i cannot stress this enough a baby gets stabbed in nazi occupied berlin it is black and white bombs are being dropped on berlin and we uh-huh. see a castle in the german countryside and a woman giving birth to a child and a midwife helping and a commandant in full nazi regalia saying oh yeah how's it going hey hey guys it's me a literal nazi yeah i uh, actual colors were not invented until like 1965 probably so everything is in pure sepia and this nazi uh, uh dies during childbirth so that's cool uh and then out of nowhere the father straight up stabs the baby in the baby yeah like he just out, just he's like I'll show you you lousy baby and he just stabs it and this baby I gotta say really no sells this stab <laughs> just sort of goes oh and it's like that's all you're gonna give getting literally stabbed and that's how the movie starts and then baby it turns stabbed. full color with a uh, <laughs> like electric organ <laughs> swinging seventies soundtrack yeah it's the 70s baby and it's uh it goes into this um it's a bunch of people in a car and they're driving to this uh manse out in what is apparently belgium yeah um and this guy greets them now there's a character in horror movies whose thing is sort of being just either like the the crazy ralph guy who says you're all doomed don't go into that giant creepy castle or gives them directions to it and he's obviously up to no good this guy looks like the Slenderman's shut-in cousin. Yeah. Spoiler, like, he's the devil. He's the literal devil, and he looks like if a sperm could grow teeth, 
and just kind of kept going as a sperm instead of developing into a person and then put on a turtleneck. He's also wearing white gloves, and I would submit that white gloves are far far more sinister than black gloves. Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. Because you see black gloves and you sort of acknowledge like, all right, well, they're, you know, they're just wearing gloves. White gloves, what are they doing? What are they up to? They're either evaluating a very expensive manuscript or (laughs) (laughs) perhaps looking at a diamond. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's one of those two. Or they're performing mean surgery. Yeah. Um, And so they, uh, he's like, yeah, the castle's up over there. And they're like, all right, you better not betray me. And he's like, don't worry, I won't. While, like, windmilling his hands. And then, so, there is a succubus in the mix in this motion picture. Yeah, so the the first lady that dies just fucking dies in the town. And the town gathers around and they say, the succubus must have come back to the castle. Man, it's amazing. Like, the guy who, who utters this line... He says this gravely what, with a corncob pipe in his mouth, just going like, well, you know, the succubus has come back to the castle. Like, this is just the most fucking reasonable thing. Like, I mean, he's just remarking on the fucking weather. Like, if you die by a succubus in this part of town, they don't even mention it in the obit. Like, everybody just assumes. Um, and this lady gets scared to death by the succubus. Literally. They're like, what do you think happened to her? She had a heart attack and died. Well, she 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 died from getting spooked, and she her face is frozen in a rictus of shock, and she's just sort of looking off into the distance, going like like forever. Um, and so they all sort of gravely regard this, and then there is a character in this movie whose name is certainly something, who is now the all right. How was how was the dub that you had uh, from Mondo Macabro? <laughs> the Mondo Macabro dub is like classy and well made i can is only it? imagine what this <laughs> this daily oh. motion dub is uh watching this on daily motion is, is horseshit is I it just so like one guy doing all of the voices yeah basically it's just sort of oh, i'm a succubus and the guy there's there's a character in this uh who is the uh the ugly american abroad character which i feel like is an important thing in any uh, euro horror movie um and his thing is being being loud and yelling stuff. And it makes me think of... Uh, so Bram Stoker's Dracula, right? Uh, Quincy P. Morris. You think to yourself, like, wait a minute. So we've got sort of English aristocrats during the late Victorian period. We've got uh, a sinister count. Why do we need a cowboy? And the answer to that apparently is that, like, this was a common trope in European stuff, was that, like, it would be like putting a ninja in something, in the 80s, where you're just like, yeah, there's a, there's an American in the mix, and obviously he is a cowboy. Yeah, he has guns. Not yeah, guns, yeah, guns, plural. Guns. His thing is, he, he, he rootin' tootin', uh, going to the theater, shooting at the ceiling, uh, chewing tobacco. And that's, so there's a character in uh, The Devil's Nightmare who is very loud and he yells a lot and he's just like, well, I'll tell you what, I'm sitting in the crack of barrel, I got and he's just like, he sounds like uh, a more lucid Boomhauer. So this is mind-boggling because I don't know which character this is because the Mondo <laughs> Macabro dub does not have anyone remotely close to this. <laughs> so they just got two to three winos for the <laughs> Daily Motion dub of this film, and they were just like, "Can all right? So can you are say you talking much- about the angry guy, the bald-headed yeah. angry guy? Yeah, yeah, the bald. He just has a normal voice in the Blu-ray dub." <laughs> He's just so like, just, I'm an angry man. 
Yeah, but and, I and talk so they, normally. They clearly promised this guy, like, look, we'll we'll give you, we'll buy you a burger or something if you just like read these lines. He's like, Wah! he's just yelling, uh, and it's it's great. So America, uh, this movie is great. It has everything because um, all of the characters, there's seven tourists, and they represent the seven deadly sins because Euro horror <laughs> and, and symbolism. Honest, well, and uh, seven de- the seven deadly sins. All seven of which are lust. Like this is the this movie is so horny, its libido has veins in it. So it everyone a lot. goes to their rooms, and the the glutton who's like who's just eating is the only thing he wants to do this entire movie. He opens Same. his suitcase and it's just sausages and su- yes. it's just links of hot dogs and <laughs> summer sausages and he aggressively eats those. Listen, if you're going to the murder mansion, you got to bring your hot dogs. That's that's just standard. A- an entire you need to have your morning popcorn bowl of 12 <laughs> to 20 hot dogs. Also, the wallpaper in every room of this mansion matches the sheets on the bed, and the yeah. lamps are the same pattern as the walls. Yeah, and the furniture, which makes it looks like uh, make, uh, it makes it look like they used the uh, the dump paint function on <laughs> Microsoft Paint, but didn't draw the lines clearly enough to separate things. So it's just fucking everywhere. It's um, wild. It's so much, uh, and so it's all these people, and they're shut in. And then they all just kind of, you know, one of them is tenderly making love to his suitcase full of bratwurst. <laughs> the uh, other guy is so busy hitting on the 20-something that his nagging wife is like, Ralph, why don't you pay attention to me? Well, well, and it's so much because he is, like, he has all the subtlety of a fucking sex hyena with this, with this young lady. And his wife is being perfectly reasonable, being like, hey, buddy, you want to stop I-fucking-the-20-something? And he's like, I'm European. Um, Now, I will say, I love very much that this movie, being Euro-horror, this is a time period that was not particularly beholden to modern movie uh, standards of hot people being on screen. Um... You see a lot of people fucking and a lot of people just sort of hanging out and they are hairy and and kind of weird looking and they're I all kind of, very strange looking. Yeah, they all look busted as shit and they and they fuck and it is <laughs> I, I kind of I kind of love that. Like this is the sexual revolution where it's you know what man, it's no one is shaving anything. Everybody just kind of looks weird and they are down to clown. But they just won't stop fucking. So the count who owns this castle that they're staying at is like, oh, yeah, my family has a family curse. Right. By the way. (laughs) Beatsy dub. Everyone who's ever lived in this castle in my family has died. And then he he reveals just nonchalantly to everyone because my great, 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 great grandfather made a deal with the devil. Sure. I mean, honestly, I feel like Faustian bargains are the main thing to do for fun in this part of Belgium. Yeah, so the whole thing is, he's like, but don't worry, I broke the curse because when I was a Nazi, I killed my firstborn daughter. Oh, yeah, I'm a Nazi and it's 1971. Oops, now you you shouldn't know that. <laughs> By the way, I'm a, not only am I a Nazi, I committed in 
infanticide on my Nazi baby. I stabbed it in the baby. But it's cool because I'm also an alchemist who's figured out how to turn lead to gold. So I'll just give you all gold if you'll go away. Man, it's actually, yeah, I think that's the wildest thing to me is like, you know, back when I was a fucking Nazi and I murdered my baby. Have some gold. Everyone goes, yeah, okay. So much gold that a woman dies in it in a quicksand death scene. Oh, man. All right. So we should talk about we should talk about the death scenes. So when you die by the succubus's hand, you get a crab claw birthmark. Yeah. And the succubus who uh, sort of wanders around in a midriff shirt. She the, there's a knock on this door right after the the count tells everyone about the succubus and right. it's this woman and the housekeeper's like what are you doing here? And she's like I'm back. And then she just walks in and sits down with everyone with this weird Madeline Pryor ass X-Men costume where her entire tummy is oh, in yeah. a cutout on her shirt. I love it because I love that she has the ab window instead of a boob window. Like, this is a movie that is, you know, it takes so many left turns when you think it's going to take a right. And it's like, it's not even a midriff shirt. It's like a onesie with a with a belly cutout. Yeah, and um, then, but, but all she has to do is undo the bow and her boobs just pop out. Which yeah, she they does just... to, like, fuck with the priest who's like, I've taken a vow of celibacy. And she's like, then what do you think of these? <laughs> <laughs> a vow of celibacy, eh? And they just like flop out like party streamers, just go. And he, the the priest. Um. So they uh they all die one by one. There is a quicksand scene in this with gold. And there's also, you know, gold an quicksand. attic with medieval torture devices because Nazis, I guess. And yeah. someone dies in an Iron Maiden, and someone is killed with a guillotine. Well, what's great about this is that, so the guillotine and the Iron Maiden death happen in very quick succession. What happens is that a guy wanders into the room and goes, hey, guys, what's going on in this thread? And then the succubus just, like, claps him into a guillotine, and he goes, what the fuck? And gets his head chopped off immediately. And another lady walks in, sees this happen, and goes, wah! And horrified, backs up into an Iron Maiden (laughs) that shuts and you just see like uh, uh, bright fire engine red 70s movie blood uh, pooling out of the bottom of it. Also, another woman uh, just gets killed by a boa constrictor. Yeah, they, I, I feel like by that point they'd sort of run out of fun gimmick deaths and they're like, fucking whatever, a snake. A snake kills you. And my, my favorite, though, is the guy who's the gluttonous um, sausage eater goes oh, yeah. into the... Um, kitchen late at night for a snack and he eats like five the succubus is there with like five lobsters and like eight bottles of wine and Uh like all of this food and he just eats and eats and eats and eats and then she's like oh here's some poison and poisons him man that i i love that he dies of poison and not like a heart attack after shotgunning three thousand snack cakes or whatever the fuck <laughs> poor sausage jeff motherfucker like, he... sucks a lobster <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so that's that's how he dies um there is i would all right there is too much fucking in this film <laughs> it's so um, much fucking it's and it's uh so by the end of it the priest who um, I just realized there's nun exploitation. There's not really priest exploitation, is there? 
No. I mean, there's, there's kind of... We could argue that The Exorcist and all that has that like, huh? It's the oh, 70s. Sure. Catholic priests are kind of questioning if there's a real validity to their vocation. Yeah, um, but you're not exactly seeing like priest dicks flopping out or anything. Like, no. priest exploitation is not a genre, unfortunately. And so the priest, at one point, he's like talking to the succubus. And he's uh, trying to do a devil went down to uh, down to Georgia with the demon, and or, or not exactly because there's there's no fiddle involved, but they uh, she's like, hey, I've got all your friends' souls, and he's like, hey, what if I give you my soul and you let my friends go? And she's like, go fuck yourself. And he's like, uh, he says, this is my favorite exchange in it. Uh, he looks at the succubus and says, why did they have to die? And she just sort of looks at him and goes, I'm a succubus. <laughs> Like, you're asking me to explain why a succubus kills people? I, you know, fish gotta swim, bird gotta fly. And so, uh, how does the movie end? So the movie ends with, oh, by the way, uh, the curse isn't broken. I'm the secret daughter of the Count, and that's why uh... I've killed him. Because not only was he a Nazi, but he was an adulterer. <laughs> I do believe. No, no, it was... The Nazi's brother's daughter. The Nazi's I was gonna say, brother was uh, fucking around with the, with the housekeeper. A Nazi baby murder getting stabbed for adultery is a real arson mayhem and jaywalking situation, yeah, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, and then it uh, and then it ends. Well, it, it there's a fake out. It was a crazy dream. And there is some of the best miniature work that look. There's this little like long oh, shot of the bus going around the cliff, leaving the castle. And it's like clearly a hot wheels on a piece of fishing line. And then it falls off the cliff and explodes and everyone, but the priest dies. And then the succubus makes out with the priest. Because why not? You know what I mean? Like it's at this point, sure. The succubus is making out with the priest. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so this movie is fucking buck wild. And the special effects are crazy good because they paint... I think what they've done is they've simply painted the succubus's face so that she looks like human. And then they do uplighting and it completely changes the contouring of her face to make her look like a demon. Like, they, they did something like they put blue makeup on and when they change the gel it shows up or something. It's like, it's crazy. And there's See, scenes where she just appears, and it we and on the Blu-ray you can tell she's just standing in the dark. So like all of these crazy special effects are just lighting effects. See, that's I wish that I'd gotten that. Like the, the problem is that uh, on the uh, very uh, jank Daily Motion version that I watched, she just sort of gets black nail polish and kind of looks like a goth when she is looking like a succubus. Oh yeah, the transfer is like crystal clear. You can tell what great makeup it is, and like the sh- the framing and the sh- and the shots and everything are like perfect. And Hell because yeah. it was shot in Belgium, it's in an actual factual castle, so it's like, hey, we got these weird spikes. Let's just shoot pictures of them and make them look <laughs> ominous. Yeah, they're just a shitload of spikes. Um, there is a death in here where an old man falls out of a window and gets impaled on spikes. It's very and- good. Oh man, yeah, no. This movie—it's—it's it's just a complete treat. Uh, it's exactly what you would want from a movie like this. So, where do we want to put it on the list? Well, is it better or worse than number one ninety-five, The Devil's Rejects? 
Can I just say that I love that Devil's Rejects is at 195 <laughs> on a list of best ever horror movies. Um, all right. I would say, oh, I hate to say this. I think this movie might not be as good as The Devil's Rejects. Now, why do you say that? Because it doesn't have Freebird in it? Well, yeah. I mean, that's like the one time in my life I've ever enjoyed the song Freebird. And I really like Leonard Skinner, but that ending sequence is the only time I've ever liked that song. Um, you know what? Actually, I was going to give some bullshit answer about uh, craft in The Devil's Rejects and how some parts of it are effective. If I'm being real, I would rather watch The Devil's Nightmare. I'll tell you, craft the the cinematography alone far outpaces the brown landscape of the Devil's Rejects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agree, completely agree. So let's uh, let's look up a little bit. Um, the Toxic Avenger, better or worse than the Devil's than the Devil's Nightmare? Oh Lord, that's like really far up. Yeah, maybe um, too. Man. You would say that The Devil's Nightmare is better than Interview with the Vampire? Well, not necessarily. I, I think I was starting with, starting with The Toxic Avenger. Well, Toxic Avenger is above Interview with the Vampire somehow. So yeah. we got to so, well, talk you, about you, that. You, you tell me. Uh, which? Uh, all right, let's start with that. Let's, uh, let's start with that then. So which, which is a better movie, Interview with the Vampire or The Devil's Nightmare? I just feel like Interview with the Vampire is a little bit more ambitious, even though yeah. I'd say The Devil's Nightmare is more technically innovative. Interview with the Vampire sure. is probably a better story in film. Yeah, and plus, you know, Guns N' Roses cover of uh, Sympathy for the Devil at the end. Yeah. Um, all right, let's. All right, all right. I'm gonna pick one. Uh, Slaughterhouse from 1987, also a Vinegar Syndrome release. Uh, which that is a better has movie? Thirty to fifty wild pigs in it. <laughs> it is a movie about thirty to fifty feral hogs. <laughs> <laughs> which which means listen, nothing like a, a whole three days after Twitter latched onto that. This podcast you know is like gonna age like milk. Oh, here's the thing. Uh, I know that memes ages mayflies. 30 to 50 feral hogs will not cease to be fucking funny to me. Like, it's just, it's one of those things that if I'm on my deathbed uh, and you need to figure out if I'm dead or not, whisper 30 to 50 feral hogs into my ear. And if I don't start giggling, I am dead. Um, so, all right. So which is better? Slaughterhouse from 1987, 30 to 50 feral hogs or The Devil's Nightmare? Oh, I would say The Devil's Nightmare. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I got to agree with that. I, I think, think it's just uh, more, like, well-filmed. And they, listen, this movie, it, it, it's such a perfect example of the sleazy, ridiculous uh, Euro-horror movie. Yeah. So now, I feel like I want to, yeah, I feel good about that. Which is more sex-positive, Wild Zero, which has a better <laughs> message about the sexual revolution, Wild Zero or The Devil's Nightmare? Or the the scary the scary lesbian from The Devil's Nightmare. Yeah. Um. I'm 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 gonna go with Wild Zero because Guitar Wolf does emerge and tell uh, the the main character Ace that love has no nationalities, genders, or borders. Um. So I feel like purely for that, I'm gonna give the edge to Wild Zero. All right. So then that makes The Devil's Nightmare our new number one eighty five. Fuck yeah! So I feel I feel pretty good about that. Uh, uh, Mondo Macabro, thank you guys for for sending us that. Blue yeah, ring. I cannot stress enough how if you want to see weird <laughs> cysts on your actors, you should buy it. But no, for real, it's very good. 
Yeah, I, it's it's. I love that this is the experience. Is that both of us were had to watch this in 2019 for a podcast, and then both of us had very different experiences watching uh, <laughs> The Devil's Nightmare. So let's dig into our second movie for this week, which is uh, The Midnight Meat Train from 2008, which is an adaptation of a Clive Barker uh, short story from his Books of Blood collection. Yeah, this movie is wild. Yeah, yeah. So, holy shit. So, I uh, I feel like as I watch this, I seesawed on whether or not this was a good Clive Barker adaptation. Like, let's let's be let's be let's be real. Clive Barker got done kind of dirty on adaptations. Like, he's had some pretty shit luck because, you know, Books of Blood, the titular story was adapted and it was bad. Rawhead Rex is really bad. Dread is really bad. Although, I'm kind of fond of Rawhead Rex. I, I also am very into Rawhead Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, even, uh, like... That the, motherfucker the pops out of the grave. Just, blah, at the very end. Um, it's, it's with a big fucking flappy Muppet head. Wonderful. But, like, the best Clive Barker movie, probably a lot of people would say, is the first Hellraiser movie. And that movie is... I mean, I love it very much. My phone background is the Lemarchand configuration. It's not a very good movie. Like, it's... I love it, and I'm fond of it. But it's, like, that's the best one, probably. And it's, like, charmingly amateurish. Yeah. And so, The Midnight Meat Train uh, is a movie about the, uh, the nether gods of New York City... Uh, these these ancient beings that you come to find out uh, live in the subway and they need human servants to um, club people to death on the subway after hours and hang and uh, hang them up from the the hand uh, harness things on the subway for weird monsters to eat them in order to maintain the balance between the underworld and the real world. Why um, is it? that horror from the 70s and 80s really was just, like, normal thing and we're going to make it creepy. Like, Ramsey Campbell's oh, The Overnight. King. Oh, I've done an overnight at a bookstore. Uh, how about an overnight with a monster in it? Or, like, any Stephen King novel is like, yeah. here's, a, here's a lamp that's scary, or a cell phone, or a dog. <laughs> a car that wants to kill people. Um, it kind of makes me think of, um, I think one of the, so you're, you're familiar with the, the book Save the Cat, right? Tell me more. Uh, Save the Cat is a uh, famous book about screenwriting that sort of uh, is written by this guy who, uh, you know, it's tips about how to write a screenplay and, you know, the, the, the thing about saving the cat, you know, that like the reason that we, we pull for Ripley uh, in Alien is because she saves Jonesy and that makes us want to root for her. Um, the thing is that, A, the guy that wrote that book was also the guy who wrote the movie Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> so, awesome. Thanks for that advice, guy that did Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. And uh, also, in the thing, he tries giving you tips about how to, like, do a movie but put a twist on it. Like, maybe it's the movie Christine, but instead of killing people, the car gives a teenager dating advice. And that's all I can think of um, when, I, when, I, when I think oh, of Christine. I, that's but, terrible. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, no, very bad. Uh, and so the Midnight Meat Train, um, it's, you know, the subway. This movie has the color filter of a gross screen door. Oh, it's so terrible. It's, but here's the thing. God bless him. It is, um, I'm blanking out. It's Kitamura's, like, oeuvre. Like, yeah. Tell me, I'll tell you one thing. He is consistent. Yeah, Kitamura as a director, I, it's, uh uncomfortable to look upon and 
it's uh, very, almost it's like surgical and also looks like piss, which I also feel like was the house style for horror movies post Saw. Oh, for sure. Late... It's very much a post Saw movie. Oh yeah, this movie uh, drips with 2008 because of just the digital look and the the CG effects and the you know sort of slow motion uh focusing on like eyes popping out and shit yeah and i found myself going like gosh i wish it was practical effects but even versus which is like ryuhai kitamura's best movie doesn't uh-huh. have any practical effects it's just like all cg insanity yeah which i mean i like the movie versus so like i'm i'm down for weird cg but in this movie i think it's just like so unpleasant to look upon in every way which for me with clive barker should not be the fucking case like clive barker works should be beautiful in some way or there should be something about it like that combination of beautiful and disgusting and this movie is just straight up like uh yeah it's it's well it's 2008 uh bradley cooper plays the main character in this and he is i would say roughly six years old yeah six or seven seven years old tops he's a little baby uh so so can you tell me do all photographers think all they have to do is take a picture of someone to like save the day (laughs) because like this woman is being harassed and is like in physical danger from these aggressive men and bradley cooper instead of saying hey stop or even ma'am are you okay just starts right. taking photos of these dudes it's like what are you gonna do about it and the guy's like yeah i'll break your camera and take it from you yeah his one solution to things is like well looks like i'm gonna have to use my trusty camera and he just uses it for fucking everything yeah he's like and and i'm gonna develop this film so in five hours you're really in trouble buddy i love this movie's understanding of how art galleries work in the way that i love how every movie's understanding of art galleries work is like bah this photo is beautiful we're gonna put it on display it's either people liking them or not liking them and sort of like oh and i'm looking for inspiration for my for my exhibit and that's bradley cooper's whole thing is just being sad and having a camera um this movie does not know how to milk its premise oh well uh, the premise of course being uh he on the subway sees uh a guy called mahogany who is a well he's he's just a big old big old ham hock of a fella he's played by vinnie jones a legendary footballer and actor uh who was in what lock stock and two smoking barrels and a bunch of bunch of stuff everything guy ritchie has ever made (laughs) yeah yeah he's he's really the uh, kyle mclaughlin the guy ritchie's uh david lynch and bradley cooper witnesses this guy with his huge fucking mallet uh or like just meat hammer just uh murdering the shit out of people on the subway and he goes oh that's not good and he takes photos (laughs) <laughs> he takes a photo and he uh so he does this instead of saying him, hey uh don't murder that person he takes a picture i just i want more people in clive barker movies generally to when they see a thing like vinnie jones murdering someone with a meat hammer on a subway they just go what the fuck and just start <laughs> Stop. yelling instead of like oh i'm fascinated and i'm taking photos of it no, like, take oh, a spray you... bottle and squirt pinhead quit it you pervert watch your hands <laughs> No, 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 <laughs> no I'm, it's, it's fine. I, oh, Jesus. Um, and so do you he... know how many times my daughter like tries to pull like the pizza box out of the trash can 
and I just yell, <laughs> no! <laughs> no! See, this just makes me think of how in the ending to Hellraiser, when Kirsty is solving the, the puzzle box, and Pinhead, who's like... 10 feet away instead of like drop kicking her or throwing a knife or something just goes no don't do that <laughs> and it's that's him literally just like I'm, I'm going to get the spray bottle if you no stop that um and so the midnight meat train as it as it goes on uh bradley cooper starts kind of disappearing down the rabbit hole and he's going crazy and he's being a shitty boyfriend and his girlfriend, who is certainly a character in this motion picture that the movie devotes what, lots of two screen time to, <laughs> yeah, to, to, to developing herself as a person, um, she, you know, sort of is like, oh, why are you being a mean pho photograph? And he eventually, they all wind up on the subway while uh, Vinnie Jones, um, he, he kills a bunch of people with a, with a meat hammer and he's just like, taking off their fingernail like he so he kills them first so they're dead um he's not a you know he's not a sadist uh but he so he kills them and then he's like plucking out their eyeballs and peeling off fingernails and shaving them and i i love that our takeaway from why he's doing that is just that the gods of the underworld are picky eaters <laughs> <laughs> like they just they don't want a mouthful of fingernails if they're chowing down on the subway like they they want a naked hot dog or nothing like they don't, they which is a very American thing to me actually. That we don't want any bones in anything, we don't want any weird gristle. Just please give me my human hot pocket dangling from the subway. Yeah. Um. And this movie is I'm I'm not gonna lie to you, eighty percent fight sequences. Yeah. Uh. So we have to talk about my favorite one, which is Quentin Rampage Jackson, as he's yes. he's credited as guardian angel so is he supposed to be like one of those take back the night paramilitary if you feel unsafe i'll walk with you on the sidewalk fellows i mean yes but the thing is that he's wearing like black panther style beret and black gloves like he looks he looks basically just like a black panther on a subway in like 2008 yeah which I feel and like he is... says to vinnie jones character what are you, like, Forrest Gump or something? <laughs> right, because uh, Vinnie Jones' character is mute. and Which, also, Forrest Gump wasn't mute. What are, what are, what are we talking about? Um, but he's, you know, sort of a, a quiet fellow because you find out that he got his tongue ripped out by the gods of public transportation. And he, he yells while fighting Vinnie Jones, This is a citizen's arrest! I need to know what was scripted and what... Uh, Quentin just like throws in here, right? He just yeah, he just he kind of just blurts stuff during this fight scene. Yeah, and and we were talking before we hit record that Quentin Jackson and Bradley Cooper were in the A Team reboot. So was this right. supposed to make me fall in love with Quentin Jackson? Think of that because guy is hilarious, and then see oh he's playing B A Baracus. I gotta see that movie. <laughs> I, so clearly it was like a package deal and it was uh there's there's got to be like a, a a brat pack style name for this crop of actors who are in the midnight meat train like the 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 meat pack <laughs> the the meatballs the, the anyway um so this movie is not good i i think that when we started i was like you know like you know this movie is pretty good as far as Bar barker adaptations go 
it it is it is not. There are too many fucking fight scenes in this film. Like I don't know what Kitamura thinks. I watch a Clive Barker movie for. It is not the fucking fight scenes. Okay, but here's the thing. I watch Kitamura movies for fight scenes. I mean, he directed Versus, which is an hour and a half fight scene. Yeah, I mean, that's great. He directed a Godzilla movie, which is all monsters fighting. So it's like, should we really blame the the director or the studio for deciding, you know, what the best person to handle this uh, Clive Barker property is the guy that does fighting movies. Yeah, it, although in fairness, like Ronnie Yu, uh, who did Freddy vs. Jason, that makes sense because it's Freddy vs. Jason. Like, Vinnie Jones being the monster heel of the New York subway, it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it A lot of this movie, you can tell that they didn't really know how to stretch this fucker out into an hour and a half. Um, because a lot of it focuses on Bradley Cooper's career as a photographer, which, as a viewer, you are just, you know, deeply invested in. And his relationship with his girlfriend, whose name everybody certainly remembers because the movie cares about it. Of course. Uh, she definitely has a human name. For sure. She, she Listen, she converts oxygen into carbon dioxide like anybody else Her in New York City. Her name is Cassandra. <laughs> Alexemblishly, <laughs> and yeah, so she she dies at the end, and uh, obviously, and Bradley Cooper uh, takes Vinnie Jones's place as the bus boy of the underworld, uh, and that's that's kind of the movie. Um, yeah, it's not very good, and I feel like mostly because there's no beauty to be had in it. And the short story that it's adapted from, I really, really like. Like, Books of Blood by Clive Barker was really formative for me, and it bums me out that they went with the most boring uh, Saw ripoff version of what this story could have been. So, what is the best Clive Barker film adaptation? Well, that's a good question. Probably Hellraiser? Okay, so... What is the worst uh, Clive oh, Barker wow. adaptation? Well, okay, the worst Clive Barker adaptation is technically Hellraiser Revelations because it billed itself as being from the mind of Clive Barker. <laughs> was that a movie? Was that one of the movies he sued to get his name taken off of, or am I mistaking yeah. that for another? Uh, you are correct, and that's the one where he tweeted, this movie didn't come from my mind, it didn't even come from my butthole. Um, <laughs> because God God bless Clive Barker and, and, and all of his works. Uh, so this movie uh, is not better than Hellraiser by a lot. Uh, Hellraiser is at number 68. And... But it's better than Hellraiser Revelations. <laughs> oh, anything is... Well, okay, not anything. Several movies are not better than Hellraiser Revelations, but... Not many. Actually, not many. It's Hellraiser Revelations is four hundred and eight out of four hundred and eleven movies, so it it's it's very bad. Um, I'm scrolling down a little bit. Let's okay. So let's talk right. about gonna... the other Kitamura movie on the list. We have um, no one. I can't even remember the full name of it. No one lives. The Luke Evans crossbow pervert movie where he skins oh. fucking uh, Brodus Clay and wears him like a meat suit. He certainly does, which, God bless. Apparently that guy's a huge asshole. Um, so really? That's number a, a former WWE wrestler is not nice? I know, it's shocking. Wrestling is only full of good people. Um, and so No One Lives is at number 338. 
I do think this is better than No One Lives, at least because the effects are... I mean, aside from the sort of, like, goofy CG, the effects are pretty good. Yeah, and it's definitely better than Killer None. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, which, okay, alright, which is, which is better? The Midnight Meat Train or The Baby at 316? Oh, fuck, The Baby is so good. I love The Baby so much. Um, that movie is outstanding. So obviously we're putting that off. How, however, all right. I think I've, I think I found it. This movie, I think, is better than Daguerreotype from 2016, currently at number 322. So is Midnight Meat Train better than Dead Sight? Uh, yes. Yes. Midnight Meat Train is better than Dead Sight because it at least has pretty good practical effects and Dead Sight is just kind of it's kind of there you know it's, yeah yeah um neither movie really knows how to do anything with its own plot but i feel like at least midnight meat train has um a larval bradley cooper and vinnie jones being a goon so nothing wrong with that however i don't all right is it all right is the midnight meat train better or worse than empire of the ants oh it's definitely better because empire of the ants was just ants <laughs> just yeah that's, just a rubber yeah. ant just being waggled around at people for an hour and a half. Which, honestly, is all I wanted out of that movie, so God bless. However, I can't even believe I'm going to say this. I do think The Loved Ones at 317, which I don't really care for that much, I do think The Loved Ones is probably better than The Midnight Meat Train because it has a... It's it's better to look upon and doesn't make me sad in the way that the aesthetics of The Midnight Meat Train make me sad. So, so are you saying that it's an uplifting, feel-good movie? Oh, certainly not. However, I mean, it's got at least something with the fact that the kid gets out at the end. And, and this one is like, no hope. Yeah, although I do like that the Midnight Meat Train is certainly the Clive Barker property that sounds the most like a gay porn. <laughs> so that, that, is, that is very important. So yeah, so I feel good about that. So coming in at our new number 318 is the Midnight Meat Train from 2008. Who doggy? Um, so Ryan, where can our yeah. listeners find us online? Goddamn. Well, our listeners can find us uh, on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast on... Excuse me, I'm going to take that from the top because I burped. Well, our listeners can find us on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast, uh, on Tumblr at Rank and Vile, and on Instagram at Just Rank and Vile. We are all over the goddamn place. We are on Last.fm, we are on Stitcher, we're on iTunes... Um, if you have any movies that you uh, would like us to review for the show and talk about, um, I know we didn't get to any on this episode, but we just had to talk about The Devil's Nightmare. Um, you're going to want to send that request either to rankandvilecast at gmail.com or put it in our ask box on Tumblr. Uh, if you uh, would like to advertise on Rank and Vile or uh, do any kind of uh, deals with us for, for promo stuff, uh, hit us up. Send us an email at rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Uh, Quincy, what am, I, what, am, what, am, uh, what am I forgetting? So if you can um, just tell a friend about the show and uh, just talk about Rank and Vile outside of subtweets, uh, it really helps us get <laughs> um, get new listeners and help kind of get, get the word spread. Um, you know, every podcast does that, like, five-star review thing, right. get us up on the charts. Um Let's be real. The charts are the charts. But if you could right. just tell... I, I in my own life, listen to podcasts when my friends say, hey, you would like this. 
So yeah, if you same. know someone who's a ghoul or someone that you would like to train to be a ghoul, um, just let us know. Let them know about us. Absolutely. Yeah, word of mouth is how I We're on just about every podcast app, so just, you know, pull out your phone and say, this one. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, word of mouth is how I find anything good that I find, so. But barring that, I uh, believe that's all I got. You got anything else? Stay spooky, y'all. Later, folks.